ladies and gentlemen, all listeners of the pod. We had a big week in sports from the NBA to the NFL. Not much big wiffle ball news, but we do have a big wiffle ball personality in the building tonight. So uh, this is going to be a great pod. And this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Okay, first and foremost, let me introduce my co-host for the evening. As always, we have the one and only Jack Agner on the call. How do you do? How do you do? I do well. How about you? I do well. Good, do good. well. And I also have <laughs> Mr. James B. Norp. Round of applause for Jimmy Norp, ladies and gentlemen. The 2021 MVP of MLW. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm doing good, Tom. So always a pleasure to be here with you fellas. Good, good. Tried to get you on a couple weeks ago, and uh, you were unavailable. This, this man's time is valuable, so we're glad to have Jimmy on here. I know he's a hardworking guy, so we appreciate you coming on tonight, Jim. No problem. But boys, like I said, it was a big week in sports um, across many different levels. Um, some big records broken. A champion was crowned in the NFL. And um, I first wanted to talk about LeBron James. Um, first and foremost, I want to say congratulations to LeBron. I think that record many people thought would never be broken. Um, and it's incredible what that guy's accomplished in his career. I think he's, you know, probably the best athlete we're all witnessing at, in the present day across any sport. But I do have a very, very probably hot and controversial topic about this whole record-breaking thing. So let me break it down for Jack and Jimmy, and they can weigh their opinions. And folks at home, I'm curious to how you guys feel about this as well. But of course, I'm not the biggest NBA fan, first and foremost. I'm just a guy with an opinion. But I was tuned in as I think a lot of people were, to see LeBron break the record and because that's a pretty iconic and important moment in sports history. But while I'm watching this game and waiting for it to happen and I see him make the shot and break the record, I was very, very shocked at how the NBA went about celebrating this, this record being broken. So if you guys did not see it happen or you haven't watched a video of it, let me break down what actually went down. So in the third quarter of this game, near the end of the third quarter, LeBron hits a step-back jump shot, breaks Kareem's record, and, of course, you know, everyone's going crazy, right? The announcers, the broadcast, the stadium, everything. Then, I'm not sure if the Lakers actually initiated and called a timeout after this happened to give LeBron kind of a moment, or if something from the league was already set up to where they just blew the play dead. But immediately, the play was stopped, okay? So the whistles blow, the officials come out, crowd's going crazy, and right away, you know, media, all the players from both teams, family members, all rush onto the court. So the game has come to a screeching halt now in the middle of the third quarter because this record is broken. And I understand that. It's a, it's a big moment. Like I said, it's an iconic record. And, you know, LeBron deserves a moment of appreciation of, of his greatness. But like I said, everyone rushes the court. The stadium MC chimes in. Um, and they even, like, played a montage on the video board of, like, LeBron's highlights building up to this record being broken. Next thing I know, the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver's on the floor. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's on the floor. Everyone's midcourt, and we're having like a full-blown ceremony during this game. Like I said, right in the middle of the third quarter, we just dropped everything and started this ceremony. And that's kind of where I was surprised by that decision being made because I understand how how important it is, but I just can't believe that we're going to stop a game to, to celebrate that completely. I get it if the Lakers want to call timeout and like the crowd erupts right and like his family you know gives him quick hugs handshakes from the players and stuff like that but I watched the video back earlier today guys and the video actually cut off before even play was resumed and it was from the time the shot went in which was 14 seconds into this YouTube video nine minutes and seven seconds later play had still not resumed 
And I'm just curious as to what you guys thought about that and were you surprised they didn't just wait till post-game to like really do a full-blown ceremony? Or did you like the whole like integrated ceremony into the game thing? Um, well, I guess I'll start. I, in the same, I'm in the same boat as you, Tom, in the fact that I'm not really the biggest NBA fan. So mm-hmm. I will say that. Um, I, I don't know if there was another sport that would like do this where they would just stop the game like that. Other than me, I could see maybe baseball doing that. Uh, but it was very, it was very odd. And you saying, you know, I don't, you don't, you didn't know if it was like the Lakers that called a timeout. The way the whole thing went down, that hundred percent had to be planned out. Like, well, for sure, they knew for he was going to sure. break it. Once I started it. to watch it, then I yeah. realized that. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> honestly. I, I I watched the clip back. I wasn't watching it live, but I watched the clip back. And when it when it kind of started going on, I was like, okay, this is like maybe a little bit too much for like in the <laughs> beginning of the game. And then he grabs the microphone yeah. and he's like giving a speech. And uh-huh. it's like, what are we doing here? Like, I get it. I the record is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I feel like it's almost like I, I get the fact that they're trying to honor him while you know right after it happened but it's almost doing like a disservice to him because it's like there is a game that still needs to be played and it was and i'm sure it's a game that has more than just you know no implications on the line like it definitely matters Mm -hmm. so i don't know like i feel like they almost should have just waited until after the game and done something like really really big after the game you know what i mean really cool Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of if, if the Lakers won or lost, because that record deserves to be honored. But, I mean, it was a little bit much. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, you know, so I will say I was watching this game live. I, I consider myself a pretty big NBA fan. And, like, when the montage started to come out, I remember, like, my jaw kind of dropped, and I was like, is this really <laughs> happening right now? Like, this is, they're not going to wait till thing. after the game. I'm like, is this actually happening? I started laughing a little bit. But when I – like, you said baseball. Like, that's what I would compare it to. So, for example – Let's t- we're big Tiger fans. Let's take Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th hit last year. Mm-hmm, he gets mm-hmm. the hit. His family comes out. All the players come out of the dugout. They give him, like, hugs. Takes probably about two minutes. Bang, next pitch is being thrown. Same thing with Albert Pujols with a 700 homer. His family comes out. True. Teammates give him hugs. Two minutes, next pitch is being thrown. I just thought it was something that probably could have waited till after the game, like Tom said, to celebrate all that, then show the video montage. I'm sure the fans would have stuck around. They would have realized how big... This accomplishment was, especially being in L.A., that's a big sports market. They they understand how big this record is. We'll, pro- we'll probably not, not see it broken in our lifetime. So it was very interesting, but all in all, I didn't have too much complaints about it. Again, like I said, it's a huge moment for LeBron, and congrats to him. I think oh, yeah. he's to go. Yeah. I just want to know, like, I just want to know whose idea was it mm-hmm. to have him give a speech. Like, yeah. that was that, that could have been LeBron's idea. Like, he might have been like, I yeah, have- I want to, I want to give a speech. Like, I, I want, mean, he you know definitely I mean? has some pull for sure. Like, like he has those pull. decisions. And if, and if he wanted that, it's not like they're going to say no. <laughs> he's, he's, exactly. the, he's the all time like point scorer. So what are you going to say to that guy? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I, I really hate to come on here and start the show, like being a negative Nancy and being one of those guys, like people on talk radio and, and other podcasts that like to just like, you know, nitpick and really like be really scrutinized, like every decision being made. But that was one that I was kind of surprised by. Just because I know, just like MLW is, just like the NFL is, every other sports league, like it is an entertainment industry at the end of the day, right? But where do you draw the line between entertainment and the game itself? Because 
you know, there was 30 other players involved in that game that all of a sudden their game's not being played because some other player, you know, it's not just a player, it's LeBron James, but broke a record. Right. So how do we, what do we prioritize more? The game being played or personal records? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I, like granted, to I, the... I know, I know that record's different than every other record out there in the NBA, but I'm just, I'm just stating my opinion. I'd like to hear the Thunder players, like, honest thoughts. Yeah. Like, no cameras turned off, because that's the team the Lakers were playing, and they're mm-hmm. sitting there for 10 minutes, and while they're probably, like, grateful they're witnessing history, at the same time, they got a basketball game to win, so it'd be interesting <laughs> to hear their opinions. I, like, kind of rolling off what you said, Tom, the, the NBA plays so many games in the regular season mm-hmm. that, like, just the sheer amount of games makes it seem almost as if every individual game is like doesn't mean as much mm-hmm. like for example if you compare it to the nfl you know they only have 17 games in the regular season so each one seems like it has a lot of implications towards their playoff chances right and then when you in the nba when like you do something like this in the middle of the game it's almost like even yeah further exasperating the fact that like the games aren't necessarily like that important in the regular season even though that game did mean something right like I, I think that game wasn't necessarily just like oh you know we're playing it like it definitely had some implications to it yeah yeah I definitely think most people in that building probably even players included were thinking that uh the most important thing happening that tonight was the record being broken not the game itself yeah. which is kind of sad um I mean it is incredible honestly like what he's done it really is no, amazing it's crazy we're like like Jim said we probably won't see another player break that record in our lifetime and he definitely deserves a spotlight. But they also did like a formal ceremony for him pregame two nights later, like uh-huh. their next home game. They did a whole thing before the game. His family on the court again. LeBron had a microphone again. Like they did a ceremony. The only other thing I wanted to talk about, because I think that's the only record that I can think of off the top of my head that would be kind of close to this, is Jimmy, you remember what happened after Bonds broke the record? I know there was like a standing ovation. He stood out there for a while and like there was media people everywhere. But how, how big of an ordeal was that? Yeah, actually, honestly, I'm trying to kind of recall that video of Bonds hitting the record-breaking homer. I remember it was at home. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember too much about it, like how the fans reacted, what they did for it. The one that comes to my mind, actually, is when Hank Aaron broke the home run record and he had, like, the fans trotting yeah. with him. That's way back in the day. Obviously, you can't do that now, but fans ran out on the field and greeted him and stuff, which was really cool. But, yeah, Barry Bonds breaking the record, I don't, I don't really recall it too much, honestly. I know there was, like, a, a moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, and I'm not saying even the NBA made the wrong decision, but you know, if I were to guess, if I were to guess what would have happened beforehand, like what the NBA is going to do, I would have guessed, yeah, Lakers call timeout, give their guy some time, you know, have the players all greet him, quick hugs to his family, you know, he stands out there at midcourt, gives his wave, his two three minutes, and then resume play. But I don't know, it was cool. It was it was honestly pretty cool. Like they did that, they made it a big, pretty big deal. They had that montage already, like Jimmy said, and it was a, a legit ceremony mid game. So. Let us know your thoughts on that. Um, but let's transition to the NFL now because this is also a big weekend for them with the Super Bowl. But the game really didn't disappoint. Uh, what were your thoughts, Jim? Yeah, I thought it was a great game. Very high scoring, which is what I kind of figured going into the game. Uh, obviously, there's that controversial play at the end of the game, the holding that was mm-hmm. called, of course, on the Eagles that led to the game-winning field goal. I thought it was the right call. I know in that situation people are going to argue you can't make that call there. You got to let the players play when the game's that close. And now everybody's thinking, you know, it's refs versus Eagles, that kind of thing. I know. But also earlier in the game, there was a clear hold on the Eagles that wasn't called. Like way back in the first quarter, it was like a third and six play. 
and the Chiefs didn't get the call. So I figured that was kind of canceled out for me. I don't know. I mean, I had the Chiefs winning the game. I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan. Like like I say, I'm, a, I'm an MLB guy, but I think Patrick Mahomes is one of my favorite athletes to just watch right now. He's so athletic. He's so crazy being able to throw from our, all different arm angles, run out of the pocket, scramble. He's got everything going, so happy for him. And the Kelsey brothers, that was a cool cool story too. So That was. I found it interesting. Did you see the seating arrangement with like was Roger Goodell, <laughs> Mrs. Kelsey, and then DeMar Hamlin? I was like, that is like the elitist of the elite right now. Um, but it was funny you brought up officiating, and we did lose Jack probably due to technical difficulties a few moments ago, so we'll have him chime in in a moment. But that was kind of where I wanted this conversation to go. Um, the game was incredible. I enjoyed it. And I, I don't think this one came down to officiating. There was calls that went one way or the other throughout the game. The holding call, there was enough there to be called. Could you have held the flag there too? Of course. But, you know, it's a split decision, and it's, it's tough for an official to make a call like that. So what I want to know, and, and Jack is back with us now, um, Jack, we were just talking about the officiating in the game, how there was a couple questionable things, but overall... Um, not too much to be upset about if you're a fan. I, I know if you're an Eagles fan, you're probably upset about it, but in a general sense, it wasn't that bad. But throughout the season this year in the NFL, the referees have received a lot of criticism, I think. And this the NFL, I think, probably gets more criticism than anybody when it comes down to officiating because there's so few games, right? So every little thing is, is really put into the spotlight. We saw that a lot in the um, Seattle versus Rams game as Detroit fans because there were some calls there that didn't go our way, which was the Rams way. Then in the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Bills, there was a lot of calls that were questionable. Um, I've seen a lot of major, major sports networks talking about the officiating in the NFL and how it's a problem. It's a problem in other sports too. You know, we see the umpires in the MLB get get hit hard. Guys like Angel Hernandez. There was a blown call in the NBA a few weeks ago with LeBron James and that foul at the end. So. What I want to know from you guys is, do you think there's any type of plausible solution or at least step in the right direction that these pro leagues can take to try to correct or counteract um, bad officiating? Or what would you do if it was if you were Roger Goodell, Jack, and you had referees who were not meeting fans' expectations and players' expectations? What do you think you would try to do? Well, you know, here's the thing, Tom, is no ref is ever going to meet the fans expectations you know what i mean because <laughs> when point. when when the call is being made for your team the ref's doing a great job and when it's against your team the ref's doing a terrible job and refereeing in, in any sport at at that professional level is is so difficult and when we had the luxury of like sitting on our couch and stuffing our face with popcorn and, and watching like every single replay and getting every angle you know what i mean versus like them live time from their perspective seeing what they see is a lot different and it's not like the same with you know like you can't you can't challenge penalties so it's like it's called it's called and you don't necessarily know like what they saw from that angle so i i i think it's it's definitely like a problem enough where for example Roger Goodell probably is going to have to do something i think it's just probably what it's going to take is just like any business really where that focuses on continuous improvement, like going through the the clips that were really making headlines that the media and the fans were very, very questionable, you know, very like critical of those calls that were being made. You know, some of the like roughing the passer ones, like I remember there was like a couple on Tom Brady that were just so brutal. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like that needs to be that needs to be a league wide thing 
talked about and discussed with the referees, like why that was like, uh, you know, why that was the wrong call or why it was the right call. You know what I mean? Depending on the situation, like it just needs to be more uniform because it feels like there, there's just like a gap, especially, or, you know, I'm talking for football mostly because that's kind of like what I watch most, but it Mm -hmm. seems like there is a gap, right? Like some, some games they're calling these calling it one way and some games they're calling it a different way and you know that's that's kind of just it kind of comes with the territory of sports and like humans you know what i mean that's what i that's what i wanted to ask because i I am one who usually says you know like officiating like that's part of the game that's kind of what the saying is you know it's it's part of sports you kind of got to deal with it and that adds that human element to it but when is like sacrificing that part of the game speech and quote like when do we justify that, like actually affecting outcomes of games? You know what I mean? That's that's kind of what I've been thinking about over the last 24 hours. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like, what do we want to do? Do we just want to have robots out there? Do we really want to <laughs> do that? I don't that? know. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't want that yeah. yet, at least. I don't know. What do you think, I, Jimmy? Yeah, what do you think, Jim? No, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I say that human error is part of the game, and I think it's how teams react to it, you know, too. When you're not getting the calls, the good teams come back, and they just keep playing hard, and... I think the human error has got to stay in the game in every sport, not just the NFL. I like I like having umpires. I like having referees everywhere. So, it's also mm-hmm. kind of just the in any sport the phrase like the game within the game. You know what I mean? In wiffle ball, there's so many examples of the game within the game, especially between the the pitcher and the hitter. Um, but like that's refereeing in any sport is part of the game within the game. Like you you have to adapt right like once some calls are being called a specific way or like you don't get a couple calls and it and it impacts your team negatively or positively it's like that's the that's the measure of a great team the teams that can adapt to that stuff and overcome it and like not use it as an excuse and so i don't know that's in regards to i i kind of missed what you guys were talking about cuz i i bounced out there for a sec but um mm-hmm. in regards to like the holding and, and stuff like those calls, especially in football, the the offensive linemen and cornerbacks basically have like the hardest job on the football mm-hmm. field because they basically have to commit a penalty every single play without like getting caught essentially, you know, like offensive linemen's job is to literally hold people, like stop people from <laughs> moving and then they get called penalties for holding. So it's like, that's going to happen. You know what I mean? And def- defense cornerbacks, like they're the same way. They got to try to keep the guy in front of them. And like the ones that are the best are kind of just the ones that are the best at cheating. Really? Like they're just the best yeah. at not getting called. So mm-hmm. I will say though, the one thing that I think bothers me a little bit, and I don't know how true this actually is. I'm, I'm fairly uneducated in this field, um, but I've heard, like I said, other networks talking about this for the NFL recently. And I kind of know this to be true because I had the pleasure of meeting an umpire who was behind the plate at the College World Series. And he'd been doing that for many years. And when Kyle and I were in Omaha in 2019, I think it was, um, there was these two kids that came up and, you know, their dad was with them and I was asking questions and their dad was an umpire for the College World Series. So I started picking his brain, you know, and he talked about how in the MLB, it's like once you're an umpire, like once you're in, you're kind of in. Like, there's really no, like, checks and balances there for existing umpires. And there's some pretty bad umpires. Like, people have really been diving into, like, the analytics of correct calls made versus incorrect calls made. Yeah. And some umpires are consistently 
better than others consistently. So in any other profession, whether it's a pro sports athlete or if you're a business analyst like Jack, or if you're in finance, like if you're bad at your job, you're going to get fired. Yeah. Or you're going to get, you're going to get demoted. So why is that not happening for an MLB umpire or for an NFL official? Like to me, just make that happen, make it more competitive, make guys want to do good and put some pressure on them to perform, like make them have to train and study and that kind of thing. I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with it at least is to take officiating a little bit more seriously and make it and, and set the expectations high for good officiating. I totally agree with that. I mean, what if it was, what if it was, you know, think about, uh, I don't know if this would be a good thing or not, but let's just put, say like a hypothetical, you know, say the ref objectively makes a bad call in a game or an mm-hmm. umpire, you know, calls a, a pitch that was very, very clearly a ball, a strike or whatever. You know, what if that ref was, was fined? after that you know what i mean another idea that's that's part of his like performance right like he's getting paid to perform and he's not performing well like what if what if he or she got fined i don't Mm -hmm. know would that would that i don't know if that would make them perform better or not but you're right it is like a business at the end of the day so they should be measured on their performance in some way some capacity i think it's interesting you say that especially because the whole umpire thing once you're in you're in that kind of thing because like you said a guy like angel exactly we've been hearing about this guy for 10 years and he's been getting he's been getting trash talks i'm like how does this guy still have his job but i guess if you're in you're in then on the other hand though talking about finding refs i just don't know if that would really change anything because i feel like for the most part they're they're trying to make the right call you know i feel like it suck for them to be punished for making the wrong call because I'm mm-hmm. sure they go back and they watch the tapes to see if they got it right, that kind of thing. I'm sure they're trying to improve, but at the end of the day, like we, like you said earlier, Jack, we don't have, they don't mm-hmm. have the camera angles that we're being seen in slow-mo and all the different angles. So it's a really hard job being a ref. It's definitely a job that's at the bottom of my list. I would never <laughs> want to be a ref. All they do is get hated on, and nobody ever praises them for making the right calls either. It's just supposed to be a given. So I think they have a real tough job for sure. They definitely have a very tough job. Very so I do so. appreciate I appreciate a great umpire, a great referee um, very much. But sports like the NBA and the NFL happen so fast. It's like calls are going to get made that shouldn't have been made and vice versa. So you'd like to think they balance out. But I know there was a couple this NFL season and in this postseason these last few weeks that have gotten a lot of light on social media, especially like the whole NFL is rigged thing has been like trending on Twitter. I don't think we've seen that in a long time. And I'm sure the NFL doesn't love to see that, right? right. I mean, it's been funny. I guess it's been more publicity, but... Um, it's something I think has to change. That's the kind of the theme too that I've been seeing um, on ESPN and networks like that is that uh, we don't, no one really knows what the perfect change is, but let's try to take steps in the right direction to make sure that things aren't happening that shouldn't be happening, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I mean, I guess the the last thing I'll say is uh, maybe the finding is not the best idea. Like you said, Jim, (laughs) uh, because that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, they're already trying their best. Like, I don't think it's going to make them any better. But however, you know, you guys talking about someone like Angel Hernandez, who has been like known to be a subpar performer. Yeah. I don't know anything about baseball. And I know that Angel Hernandez is a terrible umpire. (laughs) To put that in perspective, that's how bad the guy is. I don't I don't know. I've watched very minimal baseball and I know next to nothing about it. And I know he's very, very bad. So I don't know how he's still in the league. Well, well, like I said, it's not like an opinion anymore. Like three, four years ago when I was hearing his name, I'm like, okay, is he that bad? Or are people just focusing on him because he's known to be bad? So he gets he gets more, he's watched closer. Right. 
like I said, now there's software and people that out there that have programs that are tracking individual umpires by game when they're behind the plate on correct calls made versus bad calls made. And Hernandez is consistently bad. <laughs> How do we not pick? Like, why is this still happening? But I almost feel like the MLB has an incentive to keep him just because of the, the headlines and, yeah. and all the attention. So it's like, I don't know. It's an in, it's an entertainment industry. Like yeah, I, said. I was about to say, it's an entertainment industry. That's so. true. <laughs> so I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. I feel like even if there were even if there were robot umpires, there would still be some aspect of like using the rules to your advantage or like trying to get around even however the the robot referees it. You know, for example, mm-hmm. like to relate it back to MLW, uh, we kind of installed that this you know, the speed radar, right? And then everyone started yeah, exactly. throwing this this pitch, this screwball that kind of starts <laughs> outside and it's like is it really registering at you know true. what the true speed is? Because some of them looked a lot faster than seventy two. I know a lot of guys in the league will will second that. So mm-hmm. that's just that's part of the game within the game, right? It's like all right, we're gonna put a radar in, and then not very long after, guys figured out a pitch that they could kind of you know pump in there, juice up a bit. Yeah, yeah that's good. It's a good point, Jack. It's a good point. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk with Jimmy more now about wiffle ball and about Jimmy's life. But uh, first and foremost, Jim, how you been? I didn't even get to that today. We just got right into football and basketball. Yeah, yeah, I've been good, Tom. You know, I'm taking taking classes still. It's been going good. Taking some baseball classes to try to become a baseball scout, which has been a lot of fun too. So overall, been good. Been busy, but yeah. Good. Can you actually talk about that at all, or do you want to? Because I think that's pretty interesting. I know we talked about it a little bit when we were hanging out earlier, and you told me you were taking a scouting class, but what do you actually do on a week-to-week basis? Yeah, so it's I have classes every Monday and Thursday in that class. We're kind of just wrapping up now, actually. But uh, it's a class on a website called Sports Management Worldwide. It's taught by two former GMs of actually baseball teams, one of the Dodgers and one of the Chicago White Sox. So it's been it's been difficult. I mean, the assignments have been really tough. It's very challenging, but it's also stuff that I'm, I'm really into, so it makes it go kind of faster and a little bit easier. But a lot of work. It's a lot of, like, they give you, like, a player who's currently in the MLB, and they ask you to, like, fill out reports on that player, that kind of thing. Where would you take him? What round? That kind of thing. So it's been a lot of fun. That's sick. So do you get, like, a certification when you finish the class? Yeah, so you get a certification, and then they kind of notify all 30 MLB teams, actually, that, like, you finished the class. So if teams are looking for scouts, they could reach out to me, or they could reach out to one of the two guys teaching the class, and hopefully they refer me. It's also been weird, too, because a lot of the guys in the class, like, already have jobs in baseball, and there are, like, upper 30s, 40s, and I'm kind of, like, the young guy in the class. So it's been really cool, actually, to hear their stories in baseball. I'm sure. It's just funny, like, on the Zoom calls, all those guys are sitting there, and then there's just, like, me sitting in my room with, you know, McLovin behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's pretty funny, but it's been, it's been cool. That's hilarious. That's awesome. No, that is actually really cool. Um, what do you think, in your in your few months now of experience, do you have, like, a certain thing or element in the player that you really look for? Or not really yet? What's your scout style? Uh, you, how, how are you being defined as a scout right now? 
it's funny because I said, like, I'm the young guy in the group, but I'm also very old-fashioned. Like, I like guys, quick hands, can get to the ball. I like guys who can hit the ball to all, all parts of the field. I like versatile guys, just looking for athletes, you know, guys who are athletic and can, can move around the diamond. Good, good. Jimmy the Scout. Jimmy the Scout. After your uh, scouting last year done in MLW, I, I see no more suitable <laughs> job for you than an MLB scout. That seems sure, very on sure. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I would like that or not. It'd be interesting. It would be like a really, really satisfying feeling to like see a kid and see something in him and like have people against you very much like Billy Bean. You guys know I'm a money ball guy. Like to have your own, like I said, your own style and your own flair as a scout and you see certain things that other people might overlook and might not agree with and to see that guy blossom into, you know, what you thought he'd be. That'd be like the most satisfying feeling of all time. I'd like that part, but it would be stressful for sure. I think there's a lot of pressure. That's what the two guys who, like, teach the class said, too, because they are GMs, but they were former scouts, and they said, like, there's no better feeling, like, when your guy gets to call the MLB. Like, you think about how excited the player is to be getting that call the MLB, but you as the guy who found him and maybe nobody else wanted him, the diamond in the rough, they say that's, like, the best feeling in the so world. so sweet. So. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> right? That's awesome. I can imagine. That's awesome. So that's cool. So you're doing this. You're taking college courses, too, aren't you? Yeah. Still working at John's, um, too? No, I'm 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 out on Jimmy Johns, oh. but I might I might be back. In, I might be back in the summer, guys. Don't worry. It depends. If I get an internship in the summer, I'm taking that. But if if not, Jimmy Johns will always be there for me. So well, manager Shima will take had you to, back. Had to have the emotional talk with manager Michael Shima. I said, man, this just isn't it for me right now. And Any bad blood there? <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, there might be some bad blood. I don't know. He had to go back. He has to go back to being a delivery driver now, and because I was delivering, so. It's unfortunate the way it went down, but is that gonna hurt the Diamondbacks, Kemi? Could be, could be the end of the Diamondbacks dynasty right there. The Jimmy Johns. Oh my god! Yeah, that's 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 the key factor. Well, I actually wanted to ask about that. So now <laughs> it sounds like you and Shima, you guys are best friends. Though we, I'm sure you'll figure it out. But um, <laughs> besides that little Jimmy Johns dispute and uh, you parting ways, at least temporarily, uh, with Jimmy Johns franchise, um, anything new? Besides that, with the D-backs franchise, like, do we expect to see the same kind of big three out there next year trying to three-peat, or do you think there's going to be some new pieces in the mix? Yeah, you know, I think there is going to be some new pieces in the mix. Those pieces being, of course, Casey Bennett and Trey Flood. I'd really like to get them more involved. I think they're both very talented wiffle ball players. I think we're going to play a lot of, like, matchups next year. So depending on the team we face, is also going to depend on who's pitching for us. I've recently started thinking about this again because, you know, I'm missing MLW. I'm waiting for it to be summertime already, <laughs> but... I would definitely like to get Trey and Casey more involved. The big three, of course, is going to be there in the big games. I know I can count on Jonah and Shima, but I think in the future, like, Trey Flood is going to be a really good MLW player. Casey Bennett in Vermont, I think, surprised everybody. He surprised me. Like, his stuff was really good. If we can just get him to pound that zone a little bit more, I think he could be a really good MLW pitcher. So I'm super excited for this team. I think we're set up still in a great spot. Every team continues to get better. So if you want to succeed in this league, you got to get better as well to stay on top. Yeah, I'm pretty high on this next class as well. This next generation of MLW guys, if you if you will, being like Sawyer, Bean, Dallas, Allen, Walker, your Guidus, Flood, Pearson, even falls in that category. A yep. um, lot of talent yep. there. A lot of talent for sure. Some of them are already you know bigger names in the league. Like Dallas, really kind of came into his own this year. So I definitely think the the future is bright, hundred percent. Oh yeah. So let's get the ball rolling now on the Patreon, Jim. That's kind of the primary reason I wanted to have you on this podcast because I don't think we've talked too much yet about what you've been doing on Patreon. So um, I know some of our listeners are also Patreon subscribers and have probably seen your content. What exactly have you been rolling out week to week or every other week on Patreon for the subscribers to see? 
Yeah, you know, taking over the Patreon, it's been really cool. I've actually had a lot of fun with it. It's been fun. I uh, I really appreciate Kyle because Kyle's giving me, like, the reins. Kyle's like, post whatever you want on there. Do your own thing. Just try to get consistent content out once a week. And I think I've been doing a decent job. I think I think it's been pretty good. I think the thing I like to do the most is we do this thing called, like, a 1v1v1v1v1, like, tournament bracket <laughs> challenge. So it'll be, like, five, four or five guys. I've went to Bay City. I played with some of the Bay City guys. And then I've done it with the Livonia guys a lot. But the way it works is... So we play a wiffle ball game, and everybody has one inning to hit, and the guy who gets the lowest run total gets eliminated each round. So say you start with five guys, whoever, say somebody gets shut out in the first inning, they're eliminated, and you go all the way down to the other winner. So that's been really fun. A couple of other really cool things I think we've done is we played like MLW Guess Who. So I don't know if you're familiar. Tom was actually there for that. But mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the board game Guess Who, you kind of ask yes or no questions and try to narrow it down to an MLW player, which is really fun. I played that with Jonah Heath. Uh, recently, I've been playing some MLB The Show on there, which has been really fun. People have liked that. And then actually the video I posted most recently, which was this week, probably got the best feedback ever. I did like an MLW draft of like if all the number one overall picks played all of the number two overall picks and who would win that game. So it'd be like, say, Robles, Baranowski, and Jorgensen went up against me, Caden Irwin, and Matt Hawley, all the number two picks. Who would win that game? I think that'd be something that'd be super fun to play in like real life, so it was kind of fun to think about it. And I gave my thoughts on which tier of draft pick I think has had the best success so far. So feel free to check that out. Subscribe to Patreon. It really helps the league. It helps myself, too. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, and the more support, the better, trying to grow it. Yeah, we'll talk more about that, but just so you guys know, I think Jimmy has it linked in his Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, and I will try to link it below on this podcast description as well on both Spotify and Apple and wherever else you listen to this podcast. So um, I'll link it. You guys can check it out, and uh, it's been pretty cool content from what I've seen. Like I said, I was there for one, but I want to hear more about it today. So You mentioned the uh, the 1v1v1v1v1 videos, <laughs> Nor, but uh, is there one video that's been your favorite so far? Yeah, you know, I actually think going out and playing with the Bay City guys, I did one with uh, Trey Flood, Landon Urgaitis, and Jackson Pearson. I think that'd kind of be the video to check out because those guys, they, they took it very serious. I feel like when I play with the Lavoni guys, like we're laid back and just trying to have a good time. But that was actually very competitive, and it was very fun. And I think you'd be surprised on who the winner was of that video too. So definitely go hmm. check that one out. But all the 1v1s are definitely fun. They're fun to film. Well, going forward, Jim, you got any, uh, any fun videos that – are in the drafts right now that you're cooking up? Yeah, you know, I think I've done a pretty good job of changing it up. It's been hard coming up with content every week, so I got to say I'm pretty proud of myself because I haven't missed a week yet since I've taken over the Patreon, which I knew was going to be tough. But I think in the future, I'd love to hear more stuff from the fans. I think as we start transferring into the MLW season, it'll be a lot easier for me to get behind-the-scenes content. As it gets warmer, I'll be able to go outside more often, that kind of thing. So if fans ever know, if they got any good ideas, feel free to DM me. But I think for now, like I said, I've been playing MLB The Show, and I think a really good idea I have is there's a there's a uh, mode in MLB The Show. It's called Battle Royale. And you like draft an MLB team, and then your goal is to go 12 and 0. And it's like an impossible challenge. It's been very hard. I consider myself a great MLB The Show player, and I've only done it twice in my life. And I've been playing the game for like five years. So it'll be cool to kind of stream that on the Patreon and uh, try to keep posting videos every week. Maybe get MLB The Show involved maybe once or twice a month. I think that'd be a cool idea. Sounds sweet. I got I got a little idea for you, Jim. But I don't know if you were down to do it. This is just an idea. Um, I, was curious. I can see the clickbait title now. It's like you just sitting monologue, um, nice lighting on you, camera straight at you. And it's what I learned 
in scouting class. What I learned in MLB <laughs> scouting class. A nice little five, ten minute dialogue from Jim about all the ins and outs of what you learn in a scouting class. Because I don't think a lot of people, including myself, kind of know what goes down and what you're taught in that. So I think that'd be kind of cool behind the scenes oh, topic. Yeah, That'd be a good idea. I'm, I'll be writing it down, Tom. I'm always looking for not, more Not ideas. every idea is a good idea, but I thought I'd float that one out there for you. No bad ideas. I'd watch that video. I, I tune in. <laughs> I tune in for sure. But cool. So you've been doing that. Um, and is this kind of like your first time doing any sort of like personal content creation? I know you've watched Kyle do it now for a couple of years, but is this your first time taking the reins on your own projects? Yeah, I do. I have my own TikTok, which is actually pretty successful. I've got like 20,000 followers on there, so that's Light been flex. a lot of fun to do. Yeah it's, yeah, it's me doing like baseball and wiffle ball stuff. But I will say with the Patreon, like I think just editing is a good skill to have in general. And I've started to learn how to edit. I'm never going to be Kyle. Don't, no chance. Never say never. I've, I've learned how hard it is to edit too. So I have like a newfound respect for it. And even Tom, like you editing videos and stuff. It's definitely challenging, but it's been cool to learn about it. And like just things, things as simple as like audio clips, like putting it over videos mm-hmm. has been pretty tough to learn. But again, I think I'm doing a pretty good job just taking it day by day. And I can slowly see myself improving on my editing in every video. What do you think has been the most challenging about getting into the content creation space? Has it been that video editing or is it something else? I'd say, I'd say definitely video editing is up there. But like for me personally, my like my TikTok page, like if I post something and say it gets like a hundred thousand views or something, I'm like, wow, like that's that's pretty good. And then I'll post something like the next day that I think maybe is even better and it gets, you know, like four hundred views and you're like, Well, what happened? Why is it not doing that well? So I think it's just the unpredictability of content creation in general. I'm sure Kyle's dealt with it in his life. It's you just never know what's gonna happen. You never have the answers why it's happening either. You just don't understand sometimes. So Yeah, that's very true. I'll say what frustrates me sometimes, that does suck, right? Like when a video flops and you post it and you have high hopes for it. But what frustrates me a lot too is like seeing through that, or at least I think I see through it when like I'll have this idea or a plan or we'll have footage and I'll try to make a TikTok, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, whatever it is. I'll watch it back and be like, nah, like it's it's not what I thought. Like I just know it's going to flop and it's like, okay, well now do I post this and see what happens or do I just not even put it on the platform? So I'm not, not saying that like the the... The low view thing is discouraging like and, and making me scared to post stuff, but it's more so just like when you have your brand and your reputation on the line, even if it is something as simple as a TikTok, if you like but if you're not happy with it and liking it, then like why post it at all type thing. I told this story many right. times of um if you guys didn't know once I had like a tweet that blew up, which is kind of a big deal. I know like random people have stuff blow up all the time now on TikTok because it's easy to have a video go viral. But Twitter was like kind of hard to, to crack that, like that surface level, like your hometown, like a good tweet. When I was in high school, it was like you get like 40 likes from kids in your high school. And that was sweet. But um, in college, I had one that got like 100,000 retweets and 400,000 likes. So that was cool. And I remember I would like have funny ideas for Twitter all the time. And kind of going back to what I said about, you know, liking it yourself. A lot of times I would think stuff was hilarious. And I'm like, I just don't want this in my Twitter account. Like it's my personal account and it's tied to me. And like, do I want to be like a meme page and that kind of stuff? But I remember this one in particular when I typed it up and I had it and I like was like, ah, it's so cringy. I'm not posting this. And I put it in my drafts. And I remember opening it back up like two hours later and reading it again and like physically laughing myself when like looking at my own tweet. And I'm like, I have to post this. It's funny. And it was, it was ironic that then that ended up blowing up because I almost didn't post it at all. So that's kind of how I, I use, I like, I do trust my own judgment a little bit when it comes to not posting versus posting, because if once again, if I don't think it's funny or if I don't think it's entertaining, then it's people probably won't either. But if, 
if you like it personally and you think it's great content and you're proud of it, then other people probably will too. Now, whether or not TikTok, whether or not the algorithm finds it and, and juts it up like you think it will, that's a different story. But at least when you post it, like you have confidence and you're proud of the product, you know? Right. And one that's thing that's probably, go ahead, go Jim. Ahead, Jim. <laughs> no, you. No, I was, was going to say, I was going to say, one thing that I've learned too from like Kyle that like even Kyle's talked about is even if your videos are getting a low amount of views, you never know if that's going to catch the right mm-hmm. eye. Like it could catch somebody, one of those 400 people could be somebody important who likes what you're doing and they could reach out to you and that could lead all different sorts of opportunities. So you can't be afraid to post things that you think are good. I was going to say your story there, Tom, seems like a pretty good general rule of thumb for content posting. Like if you think you have a good idea, maybe maybe draft it up. But if you're not sure, you know, put away for a little bit and come back. No, I 100%. Come back and it's still like, oh, wow, like this is funny. Like this is good. You know, then it's like then you confirm it. And, and you know, I feel like that's probably a pretty good rule. No, 100%, Jack. And it's funny you say that, too, because really recently, like the last three weeks or so, because we haven't been quite so busy and like just going, going, going with MLW 24-7 all day, every day, it's given me the chance that extra, you know, 10 minutes to put my phone down for a second and do something else and then come back to the TikTok. I think that's actually helped me a bunch with like making videos either slightly better or not tweaking things because when you just sit there and do it for, you know, an hour or two hours straight and then straight to posting, I feel like you missed that like breath of fresh air and then looking at it again for a second time. So I 100% agree with you, Jack. I think it helps tremendously to stop for a second and then go back to it. Yeah, for sure. I've, I find that helps in other things like, you know, whether it's like something at work or just some sort of like problem solving. Like if you can't, if you can't like figure out what it is and then you kind of just like take a break and come back to it, sometimes you just, you gain some sort of like insight that you didn't have before. You look at it a different way. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's pretty good generally for content posting. Like if you come up with what you think is a good idea, but you're not sure, maybe sleep on it a little bit. And if you come back and you think it's good, it probably is good. Write that down, Jim. Write that down. You taking Jim, notes here, boss? You taking notes? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I'm learning, I'm learning from the best, you know? From the best. From a guy who had a viral tweet once I, five I, years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any viral tweets, so I'm probably not... I'm, I'm not in any... Uh, position to be giving content creation advice but i just felt like what what you said tom is probably pretty good to live by in terms sure. of content creation. i could 100 percent have more viral tweets i just i, I keep back too many <laughs> <laughs> you keep them for yourself i, I do, keep them I for do. Yourself. well like you said like it's i don't have like a meme account or whatever like it's my personal twitter and i'm one of those people who right. like doesn't like to put stuff out there that like i wouldn't want like, you know, uh, a company that would hire me to see or MLW fans to see and that kind of stuff. So that does uh, censor me a bit for sure. So um, sometimes that can limit my my comedic abilities. But like I said, that one that I had that I almost didn't tweet, I was like, I opened it up and just started laughing alone in my dorm room. I'm like, I have to, I have to tweet this. <laughs> and sure enough, it worked. So that was a funny, awesome. funny day. Good day. That was exciting. I was salty. I'm giving you guys a backstory you probably don't want, but I was salty because... When I was in high school, um, my Swiss, my sister, like, if you, do you guys know who Dan Dockich is? He's a he's a no. Big Ten he's a Big Ten basketball like broadcaster. So he would do stuff. Oh, on, he would okay. do stuff on ESPN and Big Ten Network and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he is like known to be anti anti Michigan State. And so anyway, mm. he basically it wasn't like direct, but on air he basically mentioned a comment about how like people that were at Michigan State didn't get into Michigan and that kind of thing. And my mm-hmm. sister Lauren 
was at Michigan State at the time, and she was a big Spartan sports fan, basketball in particular, and she was like, it's so annoying how he says that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you should tweet a picture of your Michigan acceptance letter and then a picture of you in, like, your state gear at a game and, like, add him. And it blew up on Twitter, and I was like, that was my idea. I was mad I didn't get credit <laughs> for it. And then a couple years later, I had my own blow up, so I was happy. Twitter was awesome. my game. I haven't, I haven't, wouldn't say I'm a TikTok expert yet. I've had a couple good ones. I remember I was hype when, um, within like my first month of being, you know, quote unquote, full time at MLW, um, I made like a montage really short of like Sawyer Bean's first appearance of him throwing those like seven straight drop balls in a row to me and Jordan. And I remember I got on Sports Center the next day and I was pretty hype about that. So that was like my, my, uh, first taste at TikTok blowing up and we had some other stuff that I created on like Sports Illustrated and that kind of stuff but it's hard man me and Kyle are brainstorming a lot right now about uh the short form content strategy um moving into next season so that should be exciting and ex- expect some some new stuff from us there so Love so for that. your for your uh for your Patreon channel Jim just remind the folks where you know what's the upload schedule and and where they can subscribe so I'm uploading right now every Monday, normally around 4 o'clock, so similar to MLW Fridays at 4. Uh, Patreon, you can find the link in my bio on Instagram. You can find the link in my bio on TikTok. And then uh, look out for MLW because Kyle likes to repost stuff on our story, so beware to see it there too. Mm-hmm. And how long usually are the videos, Jim? Oh, uh, it depends. I'd say for the most part, they're like 10 to 20 minutes, but every now and then I'll put some shorter stuff out there. What I want to kind of start doing too is like kind of post long stuff every Monday and then in between, maybe throw like some minute videos out there, just like funny clips that I think are funny from wiffle ball and stuff <laughs> like that. So, but because <laughs> there's some funny stuff when we're practicing, that for goes sure. On. But yeah, so every Monday is normally a video from anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, and then you can look for short form content as well. Jim, did you, uh, speaking of funny clips, did you like how I uploaded that snap story I had of Jonah and Michael with, <laughs> with the table? That was so <laughs> Jimmy was the only I- witness to that. <laughs> Tom, Tom, real quick, real quick. So I heard that story, you tell it on Pipe It Up, which is so funny. Mm-hmm. But which is funnier is apparently my sister listened to that episode of the Pipe It Up podcast. By the way, I never told my mom or dad we broke that table. <laughs> Word gets back to, to my mom oh, from geez. my sister. She goes, uh, so uh, what story was told on the podcast? Oh, boy. And then, and then of course, trouble. my... Uh, yeah, my dad, like, two days later, goes, hey, there's a big bag of glass in the garage. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, I really, got, I really got screwed out of this one. Unintended consequences. That was, like, last night yes. at the Super Bowl. Uh, Mr. Schultz was here, and my dad, I was get, um Kyle was here, and, and Brendan Jorgensen was here, actually, too. And they were, like, hanging out, talking, and it was, like, almost midnight, and I was, like, clearly getting tired and being lame and, like, wanting to go to bed. And I got up to go to the bathroom. My dad's like, come on, old man. Like, wake up. You got buddies here. And I'm like, I am getting old. I got gray hair. And he started laughing. And to Mr. Schultz, he's like, yeah. He's like, Tommy got his first gray hairs. And Mr. Schultz is like, oh, yeah, I know. I heard him talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're never listening. But once again, That's yeah, just be transparent. I don't care who hears it. I mean, I, I do a little bit. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. So, hopefully, you didn't get in trouble from that, Jim. <laughs> no. It was, it, was just, it was just funny. It was funny. Very funny. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Jim. Appreciate you sharing uh, your stories about Patreon, scouting, and everything else we talked about. It was a fun pod. A lot of different topics discussed, but I appreciate you joining me. And Jack, of course, thanks for joining us tonight. As always, fans, thanks for tuning in. Gus's real name is Tyler, and we'll see you next week. The The game really didn't disappoint, Jack. Did you enjoy it? I think Jack's frozen. Yep. (laughs) He's gone.
I'll, Jim, I'll go to you first. Yep. 